recorded live from a place where everybody knows your authentic name. This is Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Steele. No, I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I really am Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. Yeah, today we have a really, really great across-the-pond get for us uh, uh, we, from Ditch the Label, a, an anti-bullying organization that is in the UK. This is our second uh, person that we've had from this marvelous organization. It's going to be Sue Jones, Sue Jones, who will be talking uh, in her inimitable way, because I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's, it, I have this thing about dialects. But she will be talking about the Tavistock ruling over in the United Kingdom and the effect that it's having on uh, transgender and gender non-conforming, non-binary youth. And we're, we're real so glad to have her. And we'll also be talking about some of the family experiences that she's had with transgender people in her life right after the traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns still have not changed. They are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. And today with us, we have someone from across the pond, Amy. Uh, I've heard that rumor. Yeah, well, yeah, this is we're I'm really, really delighted. This is our second person on from the organization Ditch the Label. Sue Jones is with us, and we're going to be talking about um, the things that are going on in England and, you know, correspondingly in more and more in the United States. Uh, and so I, I just wanted to say welcome, Sue. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm literally delighted to be here. Thank you so much. And we're literally delighted too. I'm sorry, I do, I do, I do dialects and I do accents, and I'm trying very hard <laughs> not to drop one in here, and I know I'm going to fail miserably. Go for it, absolutely. Uh, and that's another uh, thing I say, absolutely, constantly. So. Yes, and, well, it's it's well, Liam Liam Hackett, who we had before, uh, like three times while we were talking about this very intense stuff that we were talking about the survey you guys did, you people did, uh, you folks did on uh, on you know transgender. Um, you know, bullying. Bullying online, and like three or four times, he used the phrase "gobsmacked." <laughs> <laughs> I was just gobsmacked when the results came in. It's like, and I'm, and I'm sitting over here, going like, you know, like covering my mouth from smiling because this is this is damn serious stuff. We're really doing. You know, he was our first big get on this program too. It was like we were so excited to have Liam on here, and I was like, I was wanting to go, hey, pip pip, Jenna, let's have another sip. And I just oh, oh my goodness! So I'm glad to have you on. <laughs> and then have thank you. you. And, and also uh, accents, I think they change as well because, like, originally I'm from London, which has a, a quite a different accent to sort of how I've developed now. I don't live in London, so yeah. But we do have there's lots of weird um, sayisms that we come out. Gobsmacked is one of them. Yeah, I love gobsmacked. I use it all the time. I, <laughs> I, I does. 
it, it was it was one of those words that I've used I, that I knew the meaning of. Like I, I love weird and interesting words, uh, but um, I didn't really use gobsmacked until Liam said it. I was like, okay, I guess it's safe. To say. <laughs> now because, that's pretty good vocab. Because if someone is. A friend of mine lives in Texas, and she's oh, never sorry. forgotten. <laughs> she, she, I, she was. We were talking about bedding, and I said the word duvet, and she went, "Keep saying that." She duvet, and she didn't stop saying it was duvet. Oh my goodness! Oh. Let's yeah, let's 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 pull it back in here. Let's get our serious yes. faces on. Okay. We're speaking with Sue Jones from Ditch the Label about uh, the changes in policy in the United Kingdom and the changes or the way media is, uh, is, is relating to transgender people, specifically transgender children. Uh, and before we get into that, I, could, Sue, could you just give us a quick bio of who you are, how you got interested in this and what Ditch the Label is? Yes, uh, well, I'm Sue Jones, my pronouns are she, her. And I am the deputy CEO globally for Ditch the Label. We're a youth organization uh, that basically works with um, children and young people, 12 to 25, around the really tough issues that they're facing. That can be bullying, gender, sexuality, mental health, digital literacy, relationships, all of those things which are often intertwined. Um, and we provide direct support one-to-one. Um, -one. We also do a huge amount of research, which informs a lot of our work. Um, we um, launch campaigns and we also have a sister brand which um, provides completely free and complete education materials for schools across the UK. You mentioned in your direct support so let's say I'm a person somewhere in the world let's just say the United States and I'm getting cyberbullied. I'm experiencing bully somehow I come across ditch the label what does that support look like yeah. for that person on our main website we we host um, a support forum so young people can join that and they will get one-to-one -one advice um, from one of our support mentors so as we probably I'm, I'm assuming it's the same in the US it's definitely over here um, teenagers young people never pick up the phone to actually have actual conversations so we make sure that when we provide support we provide support that removes as many barriers as possible so that they will continue to reach out to us and feel able to reach out to us and have judgment-free support where they have a safe space to answer questions and that person on the other side who is providing the support what type of qualifications do they have all of our support mentors are highly trained. Um, so for example, um, they could be somebody who has worked extensively with young people face-to-face -face, um, in an offline capacity. And some of those young people might be quite vulnerable. Um, they might be out of regular school systems and you know, they've needed quite direct support. Um, we also have people that work in sort of educational psychology. So they're able to have a really good um, separation from the material and really look at that person and, and help them. So it's very much tailored to them. So we have, and everyone obviously does extensive training and safeguarding, um, or they might have a social work background. So all of that, they, they don't come in um, untrained. They come in fully trained and then we make sure that um, any additional training is taken care of. I know a really cute masters of mental health counseling student here in Rochester. <laughs> me uh, just kidding so <laughs> anyway so does, i was just trying to get some does this person's name rhyme with it shmamey shmevens <laughs> maybe so so no but so to get back to point here though so it's really high highly qualified professionals who are providing yes. a very specific service to a vulnerable population yes sometimes um, the questions that come in or the concerns might be, there's almost like a triaging attached to it because there might be some quite low level stuff, which is fine. But equally, we also deal with very vulnerable young people um, who are in crisis and they need help there. So our, our team need to know how to respond to that, what to say, what to ask, what not to say, what to do, and to give them the space to explore that um, and to make sure that all safeguarding protocols are completely followed so even though we you know we work digitally we still are able to get help to people um, and we genuinely have had cases got help to somebody within an hour on in Australia um, so you know we can get that help out to people so we you know we do everything we possibly can um, to ensure that um, people are able to explore what they're saying but also they're protected 
So, yeah. That's very important. And I've yeah. got to imagine that right now, especially in the UK, um, there is a whole bunch of anxiety that's being heaped upon uh, transgender and gender non-conforming uh, uh, children, uh, teens, and young adults because of the Tavistock ruling. Um, yeah. Would you could you give uh, the, the the your your take on the explaining yeah. what the Tavistock ruling is and how it's affecting uh, the people who come to ditch the label? Yeah, there's already a lack of uh, gender support you know which would be considered to be when you think about it in we're not talking about social transitioning we're talking about if you do decide to go down the actual you're going to get a gender recognition certificate you might be considering medically transitioning you may want to access puberty blockers there is a distinct lack um, of access to those services which have horrendously long waiting lists this is anyway so you can wait 18 months or two years before you've even seen someone um, so that in itself is problematic. And there's now um, been a ruling saying that if a young person wants to access puberty blockers and they're under the age of 16, they have to actually go to court to get, it all has to be sort of overseen by a court um, to decide whether they can have them. Now- Even if they they're already taking them. Even if they're already taking them and they're under 16. so. That, that has all been changed. So there are people who are in situations now where their um, whatever medicine or hormone they were taking has been stopped or they're having to go back and review this. Now, nothing has happened to cause this. So it's not like there was a terrible case that happened and the only reason it happened is because this awful thing happened and somebody was given them and this terrible, this hasn't happened. It appears to only be happening because of the anti-trans voices um, who are appear to be doing this under the guise of, we're thinking about the children, let's think about the children, let's think about, well, actually, if, if you really want to think about children and one people and what's best for them, for so many young people that are considering transitioning and they are um, exploring their gender identity, their gender expression, all of those things, puberty blockers buy time for those young people they don't cause permanent damage. They buy time for them. They allow them the space to do that. Whereas once you've started and you've gone through puberty, you have a very different situation. And we do know how incredibly damaging that is to the mental health of people who are trying to um, explore how they feel, what they might do to have that decision taken away. The system already is incredibly difficult. There are many, many flaming hoops to jump through. Um, and this has added a block to that. Well, and I and, think, sorry. Well, no, I just I thought in there too, but it also seems like it creates a two-tier system. So, you know, we're talking specifically with, you know, in the Tavistock case of, of one specific center for transgender youth and treatment mm -hmm. throughout the UK, they're the gender identity clinics, the GICs, and then that plays into the national health care system, correct? The NHS? Yes, but so, so you yes. have to... Yeah, the tap oh, stock is pretty much the only place that you can get that. It's not like you've got in every area, there's somewhere you can go. So Tavistock is the go-to. Um, yeah, for, for youth. So this is a huge yeah. ruling because you could be yeah. in the northern part of Scotland and have to go to the Tavistock facility. Yeah. You could be out up towards Land's End and have to. So, I mean, this, this, yeah. was, a, this was a chore to get there before. Now it's Absolutely. able to get yeah. But do we see, because I have a lot of friends in the UK and, you know, so, but what I see, there's a system of have and have nots. You have the money, you have the opportunity, you can self-fund this, you can get hormones off of the internet, you can afford the blood test, you can do that on a cash basis. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people that have to wait years to get into the GIC system. So yeah. now is this going to create even more of a two-tiered system for youth? Are they going to have to do that type of internet shopping for you know, for kids to kind of prevent that is, or is that off the table, not through this ruling as well? I think that would be very difficult in the UK. I'm not saying it's not possible for that to happen, but I think it's going to create a system where young people feel abandoned. Um, and you already are talking about, if you think of a community of people in this particular case, are already, already experiencing marginalisation, discrimination, hate crimes, and all the other things that we know already happens, 
you're adding something else to that again we're going to make that even harder for you now our perspective is we want we absolutely support young people to self-identify they are more than capable of making their own mind up about who they are how they feel how they identify who they're attracted to and all those many things you know they are very very intelligent young people and if you think about certainly in the UK less than a hundred um, children and young people transition a year less than a hundred and actually it's like you're talking about a tiny tiny amount and less than one percent of people will consider or detransition so what numbers are we actually talking about here we obviously see kids and young people as more than numbers but if you're actually looking uh, okay, well, let's look at the stats. They don't back any of this up. The response is completely out of line with what's actually happening. Um, and it's you're, you're make, why would you make things even more difficult for someone? You know, why would you do that? And I don't understand. You're actually buying them time. You're actually helping a young person to make that decision, which is right for them. And it's somebody else coming in and going, we can decide for you. I mean, that's pure discrimination. You cannot decide. I, can, I have no way of, you know, I trust someone. Whatever they tell me their identity is, how they identify, I absolutely trust and respect that. Wonderful. And we, that's all we need to do. That is, well, that is wonderful. I'm really glad to hear that. I'm glad there's a, there, is, uh, there are people who are actively doing this. And, um, you know, just, just as an aside, I was actually uh, chatting with uh, Amy's best friend UK edition Emma Bruce who has also been on the show about this and, and and she was telling me that uh the public is like not at all aligned with the way the uh the the UK the 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 government those three judges uh were or also and this is the weird part the media yeah. um the 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 media I hate to use that global term, but you know the Daily Mail, all the and even the BBC uh, are just uncritic, are just like repeating gender critical uh, you know, commentary as if it was fact, and without ever yeah. looking at the other side. How can that? How can that be? Yeah. Um, I'd quite like to know the answer to that myself. We're finding that certainly in the media, whether that's um, in the print, whether that's in sort of televised media, it's become very polarized. We don't appear now to have any sort of middle or movable middle. You're either very far left or you're very far right. Now, obviously, from my personal perspective and the perspective of our organization, we're not a political organization, but we absolutely, um, if you consider the way, you know, we want people to have rights, we want people to have agency and all of those things. And there is a noticeable difference in the narrative that is coming out across media. It's the assumption of a few things. One that, um, which I personally really struggle with, is when people expect it is their right to discuss other people's human rights. And I really struggle with that because it isn't a debate. Human rights are not up for debate. Um, so, that is a real struggle for me. And then if you then get any form of media that then says, we'll make this a debate, we'll bring an anti-voice to this, we're providing balance. Well, actually, that's absolutely unacceptable because if you were discussing, for example, racism, you wouldn't bring in a racist to give another voice and say, well, we've got to bring another voice in for balance. You, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so... And you're also reducing people to like commodities as if they're up for discussion. And that's absolutely unacceptable. It's not right for any of that to happen, but it's being allowed. And certain voices within the press and within the media have really taken a stand on it. And they're pushing through with how they feel that that's how it's going. Yeah. And then the, and the thing is that there it is from, I don't know, from a personally disinterested uh, viewpoint as much as I can, uh, it is definitely oh we need to have both sides is both sides mm. but they're they they're they're it's it seems to be mostly the transphobic and transmissic people yeah. that are speaking I mean even in the Tavistock case there were there was nobody who was speaking for the transgender youth there there were people I would like to testify I want yeah. to come in they had they had uh, 
people who had benefited from this yeah. from these therapies to to go up against the uh, the one person who was uh, who, who led this lawsuit, uh, and and the judges wouldn't hear it, and the yeah. press does not seem to actually they they seem to be giving lip service to, but not actual uh, you know value to the voices of the gender uh, gender non the, the trans and non-binary people. Mm. That's, that it, yes, it's, it's, it's and sometimes as well people who are um, actually really good voices within activism within these spaces, they are certainly not even um, they're either not being asked on, on those programs as you say, and then second to that, if they are, they're already saying we're good that they pit you against someone, um, and that's not a way to have that sort of discussion. Um, so it's a very very difficult um, thing to deal with because you've already got people that are being attacked. And marginalized and you're further going sit in sit here with someone and discuss this the person that literally doesn't agree with your right to be yourself yeah that's the thing um, that always gets me about this is when the discussion is i have the right to exist no you don't mm. where is the middle ground in there there isn't yeah. any and there's that's no that, move that, in the middle yeah there's there's it's primary there's nothing that you can accomplish by when you when you go yeah. by that yeah anyhow so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting this. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no. now. I'm, I'm now soapboxing as opposed to actually having a conversation. Yeah. That's no. okay. I, and I, so I think that is problematic. And I think um, the trouble is, though, if that if that media is if people are consuming that media, um, they're going to potentially consume some of those views um, when they haven't actually. They literally haven't been exposed to a balanced conversation. It's a really difficult thing to do, and this makes it even harder again. Um, so, for example, um, the, gem, uh, the um, Gender Recognition Act, that was all abandoned. There was all this consultation that started and it was abandoned. So is it any wonder that if you do identify um, as trans or non-binary, you know, you're going to feel abandoned by that system um, because people aren't, you know, they're not taking your voice and your experience. Well, and at the center of this, too, is Kira Bell. And from all you know, our guest last week was a doctor here from Rochester, New York, who's um, looked at her case a lot. And we, we, we spoke about her and I've read a little bit. She just seems to have a very tortured life. And yeah. I think that I think that's what's really getting lost in this is that yeah. she's had a tough life and there's so much nuance in medical stuff and science and counseling and all this stuff. But, you know, I'm getting ready to be a counselor and I've read stuff on her. You know, if you got a six, 15, 16 year old kid screaming at you, I'm trans, I'm trans, I'm trans, I want puberty blockers and eventually I want hormones. Yeah, I want to get the right person to the right treatment and the right level of care. But is there any nuance with the conversation about her life other than what we see coming out of, you know, The Guardian and some of these other right leaning um, publications in the UK? I think this is the thing when people, um, they're almost divided into these little sections and that's the only thing people ever see about them. But for most people, it's just one part of many things that makes them a human being. Um, you know, we don't divide into these lovely, neat little boxes. So um, people have varied lives, enriching lives. They have boring stuff that we all do, go to jobs and, and all of that stuff. They don't spend their entire life um, sort of in this bubble that I think the media thinks that they do and certainly for young people it's something that's been on their mind for a very long time they don't suddenly wake up and say I've decided now I'm going to transition um, you know they would have had those conversations um, and some of that may you know depending on what their household is like they may have already explored some of those options so from a very young age you know this isn't a sudden thing um, and even for people who do actually um, transition much later in life whenever you speak to them, they say, I've always known this. It's always been there. There isn't anything sudden about this at all. But to put more barriers in front of that, um, certainly you're not allowing children to self-identify. You're not allowing them to actually live their truth and live their true self. Um, and we're all entitled to that. So, you know, don't, all, you know, don't attack um, a community of people that is already marginalized and is already dealing with significant um, hoops to jump through don't add more um when there is nothing to back that up yeah real quick i just quick follow-up sorry so no. but, but with that too it's like we've always talked about the um penny and i've discussed this the lifestyle thing and so like you said it's about going to work doing mm. our thing and 
all that. So, you know, our lifestyles, our Penny goes to work. She's a professor. I go to work. I'm a, I'm a graduate student. I was a volunteer firefighter for years. So there's, there's just so much nuance. Lost. Oh, and so, yeah. But if when that, if anything is written or said about that across media, it always leads with trans something or other. It doesn't lead with, um, you know, firefighter, professor, it always leads with that. They somehow put that as part of the story. Um, and whether that's got anything to do with it or not, I guess it's like about representation. So if you have anybody, um, um, if they say, for example, they're in a, a TV program or a film, um, it's very rare to have somebody in those situations acting just because the fact that they are trans is just it just is it's not the you know it tends to be the actual storyline is they're in it because they are trans and that doesn't reflect people's lives and their real lived experiences yeah absolutely i've actually had conversations about that on different pro on different radio programs about transgender representation yeah. in, the, in, in 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 the media and i've always said you know if, when were the you know when they're just like you said you know when they're just trans if, when they're yeah. uh you know, when they're a firefighter, when they're, or even a love interest who just happens yes. to be transgender. Yes. Once we get to that point, it's going to be a different conversation uh, because mm. it's always like, well, you know, you can play, you know, someone who's not a firefighter can play a firefighter on TV. It's not that simple. It's mm. that there's, there's no representation. Yeah. You're getting it wrong. Yeah. And that will also help when that day eventually comes, that will also help the people who are um, who naturally feel uh, discriminatory towards things. And it, it generally, as we know, it's often attached to things like fear. Because if we get used to seeing people, they're going to stop this feeling of, well, it's everywhere and I can't even turn a program on now without, you know, and that's obviously not the reality. It's just that that's what they're used to seeing. They're only used to seeing themselves represented. Um, and everyone needs to see themselves represented, you know, yeah. within the media, on TV programs, not just um, certain people. Yeah. So I just want, uh, in case there are people in our in our listening audience who are unfamiliar with Kiara Bell, I just want to go back, circle back, and explain that Kiara Bell is a, a young woman in England who transitioned as a teen, and then detransitioned when she was older, and now because of her experience, believes that everyone who has everyone who is transgender should live their, and she's actually said this, live their authentic sex or adjust to their authentic yeah. sex. Uh, I just want to let people know what that is because not everybody is as passionate and as well-connected uh, uh, to, to this issue as everyone else. Is. So that's what, that's what the issue is. One person uh, is upset about this and wants everyone else to be, to, to, to live her experience. And yeah. that, and that sort of mindset always, always is just gobsmacks me <laughs> you've used liam's word again <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like i said i love words and right now my current favorite word is deuterostome i don't know if you know that yeah are you familiar should be looking that one up? well i'll explain it to you uh there are when 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 uh advanced in, in, when advanced creatures are first conceived when they first start multiplying in their cells uh there are two different paths that can go the first group is the group that where the mouth, the, the thing that takes in nutrition is the first mm -hmm. organ that, desert, that that is formed. The others, the deuterostomes, the ones, the anus is uh. the first. And human beings are deuterostomes, which means that we all started out as assholes. And it's just that <laughs> some of us have moved away from that. Some of us are still deuterostomes, apparently. I, lo I love that. Um, You're welcome, well, America. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing to remember is it's people tend to, in a lot of the discussions that are happening, people are saying it's this new thing, it's a new trend, it's a new phase. It's like, um, actually, uh, people who identify as trans have been around since the world began. This isn't something new. Um, and But it's just become, it's the front of the, and it sells papers, it's, you know, it, it sells TV programs, um, which is really unfortunate. But we know behind that is the very real impact on people who are living those lives. Um, and having to constantly justify their life in some way. Would, would you be willing to tell about your family's experience that we were talking about before we started rolling? Sure. I mean, I'm going back I mean, in the UK, back in the times of um, Alan Turing in the 50s, there was very much a movement to people thinking that if you identified as gay or if you identified as trans, um, then you needed to be somehow cured. And they used electric shock treatment as part of that. 
and my own grandmother transitioned um, during that time. Initially, before she transitioned, she had thought that potentially she might be a gay man. And then when she looked into that further, realized that actually, no, um, she needed to live her authentic self and transition. She couldn't get any help in the UK and had to go um, abroad to get sort of any sort of help. And she decided to do some medical transitioning. And, um, you know, her life was made very, very difficult um, because of that. And, you know, these things in terms of history this is very recent we don't want young people to experience these things and um, nobody deserves that sort of treatment literally no one um, and I can't I just can't fathom what she must have gone through um, it's unbelievable to think of that yeah and the way you speak of her and uh, we were talking a little bit before yeah. we started the podcast with great affection and oh. it's not like she was just like this marvelous caring yeah. wonderful charming individual she was a lovely person with so many wonderful things and also flaws like the rest of us. You know, we're all basically flawed human beings, but none of that had anything to do with her, her gender identity. It was, you know, she just was a wonderful person, incredibly loving grandparent. Um, and I'm so, so lucky to have had her in my life. Um, I just wish she was still in my life because, you know, they're the sort of, um, you know, I was so proud of her. So, yes, and it's, it's just, it's remained a real passion point uh, for me um, constantly. Yeah, it, it's obvious. That she, did she, was she able to see any of the, uh, the, the wave of the transitioning, the acceptance of trans people in her Not lifetime? Not really, unfortunately. Unfortunately, oh. she um, uh, didn't have the longest life and lived until the late 70s, I think it was 1977. So things were still, it was still very much, the trans community then was very much um, one community, which was for absolute safety reasons. So it's completely understandable. Everyone knew everyone else within that community. Um, so for example, if you did socialize with other people who were trans, you literally had a room full of people who could be from any, any or none profession. So you could have, you know, judges and police officers and um, you might a builder or, you know, all of these different professions would come in together. There was no, it was a very leveling experience because everyone knew everyone. Um, yeah. So, and that was obviously pre-internet. So you had no way of reaching out to other parts of your community. So yeah, absolutely. she didn't get to um, get, to benefit from that, but. I'm so uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, speaking per, from my own personal uh, viewpoint, uh, you know, you said 1977, that was the year I graduated from high school. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm old, I'm, I'm so yeah, old. I, I, <laughs> I've, I left, but for me, it's a, I think I was 1978. So we're probably a very similar age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so old, I've used the word groovy unironically, ironically, and then unironically again. That's how old I am. But back in the 1970s, I remember the very first, I mean, I did not know that there was anybody else in the world like yeah. me. I grew up in this very wealthy, very isolated little town in the middle of farm country in, in, uh, in upstate New York. Uh, and there was nobody in the world like me. Yeah. And the first time I knew anybody, heard anybody like me was 1976, when uh, uh, Dr. Renee Richards, a, a, ten, a, a, a tennis pro, sued <laughs> to play on the uh, women's tennis circuit because uh, she had to because she was uh, transgender yeah. or transsexual, as I said back then. Yes. And that was absolutely the very first yeah. person I ever heard of that was like me. And yeah. uh, the way, you know, I was very much uh, a jock back then and very much a, a, a man's man. And, um, you know, the way that my peers talked about her and what they would do to her and what they thought about her, mm. just like it, it, it terrified me. And it made me double down on, on yeah. my, my faux masculinity. So having mm. this ability to live an authentic life as early as yeah. possible yeah. is so vital. So what yeah. is it that we can do? Uh, yeah. And we, we see this, what are the action items that, that can be done here? I think um, it's, I strongly believe, and it concerns me a huge amount that anyone, for this example, we're talking about people who talked about the trans experience. It is not your job to educate everyone else and that's not fair because you're trying to live your life at the same time as justify your life defend your life educate everyone i mean that's that's absolutely unacceptable so i think we all need to take responsibility for educating ourselves 
find out the actual truth. And if you're going to be talking about anything to do with trans issues, trans, trans people must be involved in that. So it's, uh, there's a saying over here that people use, nothing about us without us. And that's absolutely um, right. So when people say things like, oh, I'm going to invite trans people to the table. It's not your table to invite. You don't own the table. It's not yours. Like, it's not your table. Um, so that sort of thing frustrates me immensely. And we need to challenge narratives and this, you know, and actually go, well, why do I think that? Why do I, why am I so fearful of a person who has a different lived experience to me? Um, so instead of, we need to encourage people to learn about it. Um, tolerance is a word I dislike intensely because I, you know, I, tolerance isn't enough. It's nowhere near it's enough. Full acceptance, full equality is the thing that we're going for not remove agency from other people and remind yourself let's just say um certainly not me but let's just say you are a person that feels that they are discriminatory towards trans people why why does that upset you so much when it literally does not affect your life in any way shape or form question yourself challenge yourself look into it and learn and speak to people who are actually living that experience when you speak to people you'll find out they're just the same as you um you know, and, and everybody is deserving of respect. Even if you cannot bring yourself to understand their life and their lived experience, you do have an absolute duty to respect that person. And why would you not? Um, so those sort of things I think people need to, we need as individuals to do it. As certainly for us as organizations, we're speaking to young people every single day and we're supporting them and we're allowing them those safe spaces and we understand that. But society has got to step in. Society has got to question themselves and actually look at why they feel the way they do. Yeah, and there's, you mentioned in there, Sue, and I, I like this point, you know, we, society needs to educate themselves, but, you know, I got you know, there's something posted over here recently and I was going through the comments section and idiot me decided to chime in. Oh, and never go to a comment section. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> but their whole point, but this guy's point is like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You know, and, and so how do we educate a block of people that are so diametrically opposed? Mm -hmm. How do we educate them on something yeah. that they want no education on yeah. and that's it's yeah it's got to start earlier now i un understandably it's important to educate people who are already here and in existence but we need to go way back we need to go way back into schooling we need to bring this stuff into the conversation way earlier and i think people are worried that if you bring that in that somehow just discussing the fact that trans people exist in the world in a primary school or a middle school it's going to make everybody trans well of course we know that's utterly ridiculous you're just educating children you're answering questions so we've got to start bringing that in earlier and then that continues as they get older it continues in secondary school you're much more likely to have people that do not take those attitudes throughout college university the workplace relationships parenting you know you're actually you're offsetting that happening um there's always going to be the work that's definite you know you need to try and help people understand um that are actively bigoted actively discriminatory but the work needs to start in school with our young people um, and to raise them and actually in homes as well because we sometimes get parents saying to us I think that my child may be and they'll list something under the LGBTQIA plus umbrella what do I do and we say well make a home where that's okay that's all you need to do make a home where you can have those conversations you can have open conversations stop gendering potential partners so if you say they've just started high school you know, you don't say things like, is there a boy you fancy? Is there a girl you fancy? Just say, is there anyone that you, you know, if you're going to have those conversations, you, you're, you're then not forcing people to have to come out. Um, and you're also telling them it's okay. You know, whatever you do, those choices are absolutely fine. So make a home where it's okay. And you don't even need to sort of do some parents best of this. I think well, there must be leaflets and things I can leave around. Well, you know, just have a chat with your child. That's fine. Um, answer those questions. And if you mess up, you apologize. Um, I have uh, somebody I know actually through work who identifies as non-binary and fairly recently I accidentally misgendered and I used the wrong pronoun and I immediately stopped and I said, I'm so sorry, I've messed up. I will try harder not to do that again. So I think people are, you know, if they're a bit terrified, just be honest and say, I messed up, I'm very sorry. Um, so 
I think we, you know, we, we kind of got to do that. But yes, it needs to start in schools and, and, and coming through. So it becomes a regular part of conversation. Um, I mean, come yeah. on, let's face it. If we could all accept mm. panto and pantomime dames and all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's really, you know, there are so many different types of people in the world. Um, and the world would be really sad, I think, without the diversity that we have. Yeah, I'm going to be saying pantomime games now for quite <laughs> some time. Yeah, I, I have like I have five rules of parenting. Uh, just uh, just uh, to, to, to piggyback off of that, and the number one rule, the rule of all rules, is make none of parenting about yourself. Yes, yes. And uh, and and that's what this you know this gendering, uh, assuming gender of your child is. Mm. Uh, you know, my my daughter just recently re re revealed her sexuality to me and my re you know, at uh, 22 and my response was okay I had never asked her I never cared you know I never pried about that I never you know it's like it's none of my business quite frankly what it is and the only thing that I should be doing is supporting her. absolutely the only thing we're supposed to be doing is supporting your children unconditional love Absolutely. And if, if, if as a person, something that we feel very strong about, if you think for some reason you would not accept a, accept a child that was LGBTQIA+, perhaps don't have children, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, because every child is absolutely um, amazing and wonderful and should be valued and they should be given unconditional love and, and that's it. I mean, it's, it really is as simple as that. I just, I mm -hmm. think people try and make it more complicated yeah, than it actually needs to be. Yeah, that's that was the first was love them always, no matter yeah. what. The yeah. second rule, as long as I'm talking about the second rule is like them as much as possible. Yes. Because you're not going to like them all the time, which is why, yeah. you know, no, see number one above, love them always. Yes. You know, let them get hurt. Don't let them get interest and learn the difference. I mean, let them get hurt. Don't let them get injured and learn the mm. difference. Yeah. And the, the, the other one was start missing them before they leave so that yeah. when they're gone, you have a life to move into. Yes. You've already, you've already mourned yeah. them and you can move on with your life. And yeah, make no, that's, that yourself. sounds wonderful. And actually, yes. I think I am wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are, you are. Um, also, as well, we say to parents, like, if you, if you aren't sure how to start conversations, we kind of give them tips as well. We say sometimes face to face conversations with your kids can be a bit confronting. Have side to side conversations when you're driving in the car or you're watching TV. It reduces a lot of things. Um, and, you know, equally, there are parents that want to do the right thing. They really want to do the right thing. They just don't know how. And I think they think it's going to be a bigger thing to do. And actually, it can be very, very simple. Um, yes. And it's, you know, doing, you know, doing the right thing for your child and allowing them the space to explore that without pressure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Sue uh, Jones, this has been a wonderful nearly hour, I think, talking with you. Uh, I really appreciate your viewpoint. I really appreciate you taking time uh, away from your job at Ditch the Label. If, if, you, if people want to know more about Ditch the Label, it is ditchthelabel.com. I'm turning to over. Ditch, ditch the yeah. label dot org dot org <laughs> <laughs> and i just yeah. i i just love i love your sense of i love talking i want to do it again sometime i want to have i want to have tea with you and, and with scones and clotted <laughs> cream and, and jam oh my god bread and jam for tea <laughs> oh, yes absolutely oh sue jones thank you very much for spending no, time this so. yeah. chance to chat with you again sometime Thank you so much. You're, you're very welcome. And we'll be right back. Amy and I will be right back with a quick wrap up after this. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her and i'm amy stevens and my pronouns are she her um 
Penny, that was a fantastic interview. It's always fun when we have international guests on, especially when it gives you an opportunity to practice your linguistic skills. It's not linguistics, my friend. It's dialect is what it is. I, my, my, my vocabulary is really minuscule compared to most, but I can obviously, I can, I can oftentimes like mimic the voices and the sounds of people from other places. And I just love doing that. It's just, I don't know what the fuck to say. <laughs> Do we ever know what the fuck to say? Well, sometimes we do. Sometimes we have. Sometimes we have knowledge about things that uh, that, that is, it, it's very important that we share with people. And I love the fact that we have an audience that is using us to understand and to to better empathize with uh, the trans community. And that's why I love having people like like uh, like Sue from Ditch the Label on. She was able to give us. Uh, from her viewpoint, her standpoint, and her organ an organizational standpoint of people who's it's it's their job to empathize and help out, and she was just great to have on there. And I really appreciate it. My takeaway from this is that uh, more there need to be more people like Sue in the world, and less people like um, the three judges in the Tapestock case. Yeah, and I keep coming back to this. Came up last week with Dr. Greenberg, and you know, and today Sue and I brought it up. You know, I d I do feel for Kira Bell, you know, but where I where my empathy stops for her, though, is that her lived experience isn't everybody else's lived experience. And she's taking away agency and choice from a very marginalized group of people. Because as Sue mentioned, and we've talked about this too, the statistics say less than 1% of the trans population that goes on to some sort of medical transition actually detransitions. And so, you know, my experience with this would be then the couple of people that I know that have tried to detransition have gone right back to their hormones. So, mm -hmm. you know, so my experience is directly opposite of hers. And so I just wish, you know, we could each have our own space to navigate. And I really hope she finds some peace in her life that I think has been lacking, you know, yeah. for the last few years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as that goes, uh, one of the people that I follow on Twitter is uh, Robin Canner. And uh, she actually put a, she wrote an article that uh, was in the Atlantic in response to like some real, a real bull, bullshit study uh, a couple of years ago that said, yes, she trans, she detransitioned uh, and then, and then finally, and finally was able to fully transition again. But the reason she detransitioned wasn't because she felt like she made a mistake about her gender. It was because of societal pressure. Yep. And the societal pressure was kept her is what kept her from temporarily from being her authentic self. And that's another thing that needs to be looked at is that a lot of times the detransitioning in that one percent is not because they are because they aren't transgender. It's because it is just simply safer to lie about themselves and their situation than it is to live an authentic life. And that is even more tragic as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's, and, that's, it's, and, that's what, and that's what the Tavistock ruling is doing. It's making people it's forcing people to. To, to go to step back from what they were. And that's what's the most infuriating about thing about it for me. Well, and that you while you're just talking about this, the societal pressures that that's actually long term, one of my research goals is to really start looking into that question. Because we look, you know, from my counseling background, that I'm starting to explore into and recently, I've made the decision that I'm going to go on for a PhD, because why not? Yeah. Um, but that, that's actually one of the big things that, you know, as I get further along that I want to research is like, okay, so there, there's this idea of, it's called feminist theories, and it takes a look at societal pressures on gender, but traditionally it's been in a binary sense between men and women. But if we look at those societal pressures on trans and gender diverse people, our TGD population, and we'll talk about and explain some definitions as we go through this, but if we take a look at that in the trans and gender diverse communities, and you and I have talked about this and we talk about our experiences, once we've come to terms with who we are, now it's dealing with society and those pressures on us that force us into these boxes. And as you said, you know, when you're, you know, you, 
That's how you ended up being top cat for Halloween. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great, great callback to a great story by me. Um, but anyhow, yeah, and, and we're talking about that. I, I do want to read a letter that I got from an actual uh, actual listener, uh, Heather Stevenson, who is one of the uh, found, co-founders of Push Physical Theory. And she wrote to me, uh, I got the letter right here. She said, Dear Penny, first off, you are marvelous. I love you. You are the most wonderful person on the face of the earth. But sometimes you and Amy, who is also wonderful, but not nearly as wonderful as you, uh, use phrases like cisgender. And I don't know what that means. Could you please explain that in your both in your wonderful, wonderful way? Love always Heather Stevenson. Uh, can, big I fan of Penny. What? can I see that paper actually? Oh, it just, I just lost it. <laughs> no, I, I'm par I'm par just, Maybe I'm paraphrasing the slightest bit. I just see like the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she makes a point. We sometimes do this. We like cisgender. We will say that with the what, what I call the when I when I'm teaching the assumption of cultural norms. I know what cisgender means. Therefore, everybody else knows what cisgender means. And we can't do that if we're talking about people like Kira Bell saying I'm I'm this way. Therefore, everybody this way. It's something that I want to be more aware of. And so cisgender is the opposite of transgender. Uh, you know where you know these are both. You know cis is the Latin opposite of trans. Where you know, and like, you know, so like transgender, trans means uh, the opposite side and gender means bathroom. So, uh, you know, <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, but no, cisgender means basically you are, you, you're never to never shall the two uh, mix, correct? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But and unless, of course, it's me. Uh, but, you know, but basically cisgender means that your outsides match your insides perfectly. It's, that's all it really means. Uh, it's the opposite of transgender. So, well, and, and with that, too, let's talk about that term cisgender, because this is something that some of the people on the absolute reactionary right have latched onto and said, oh, it's a, it's a derogatory term. No, it's not a derogatory term. We're, we're trans, you can call us trans, but we're just saying that the other 98% of the population approximately, their insides and their outsides match. And because of that, there's a Latin term for that, cis, mm -hmm. C-I-S. And that's how that works. Yeah. We're trans, 98% of the population, roughly cisgender. Yeah, and it's really sad that, that, that you know, that they have such a hard time acknowledging that there are other people in the world besides themselves. But I will acknowledge that the uh, person that decides myself in this group, you, Amy, is just a wonderful person to be. I'm really glad that we're doing this. Uh, I'm glad that you asked me to do Transformation Thursday, and I'm glad that we're more than a year into this and uh, going strong. Well, we're way um, more than a year, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, well, so but that's all we have for uh, for us today. So uh, I really enjoyed this talk with you, and I hope you'll come back, guys, uh, people who are listening, uh, for another episode of Transgender Transformation Thursday. <laughs> Let's see if I get my name right in this wrap. Another edition, another edition of Transformation Thursday next Thursday. But for now, good night, Amy. Good night, Penny.